Chapter 19 Underwater Volcanoes On and then off again, Sia pops a quick burst of flashlight over the carton of spray cans, taking inventory, counting her colors, and mapping their arrangement. The stencils are already pasted, ready to be painted, then peeled. She screws in the roller extension. A small two-way radio rests on the metal grating beneath her feet. Dell's voice comes through in a staticky hiss. I can't see you. Shifting the painter's mask from face to neck. That's the point. Don't bother me again unless there's a problem. The radio crackles. Ten four. Sia recenters herself, taking a moment to look around. She loves how quiet the world is at this height. The random lights of the city asleep beneath her seem an abstract reflection of the night sky overhead, exchanging twinkles without a sound. She reaches for the black and gives the spray can a shake. The pea stirs inside and rattles her favorite noise, all the better by this kind of quiet. She gives another quick shake and dabs a smidge of pressure to the aerosol. Baby breath. Toxic gas. Sia inhales, replaces her mask, and gets to work. I woke up late that night, and using the same moonlight as Sia, pieced together the outlines of my bedroom with sleepy eyes. Miri was awake and sitting on the side of our bed with her back to me. Her goddess arm hung over her shoulder limp and relaxed, held and cradled by her regular hands. She was looking at it, inspecting it. I watched as Miri opened and closed her goddess fingers slowly and ran the length of her third wrist with a regular fingertip, lightly up and down, back across, then again. As my eyes adjusted, I could see the line she was following. Two days old now, the indention from her presentation brace was still there, dredged thinly into her skin. Her finger continued to retrace its route. It's weird, she said, sensing me awake behind her. I almost miss them when they aren't there. Her voice was the only sound in the room. My little lines. She ran a fingernail down her goddess wrist. My brace marks. It's like they're erasable. Like scars drawn in henna, non-committal or something. Removable. Fingernail up, down. Sometimes I wish they were permanent. There for always. Fingernail holding still, pressing in. Sounds messed up, right? I'm weird. You think I'm weird? Quiet now. She was waiting for an answer. Very sleepy and waking up to some dark-colored bedroom talk. Yes, baby. Of course you're weird. I leaned forward and scooted to her side of the bed, tiredly resting my face to her back. But that's what I like about you. I was trying to be sweet. Not what Miri was looking for. 
She ignored my reply. They're reminders. Good reminders, she said. Random shift in tone. I call it my prickly amputation. I could feel her grinning. What? What are you talking about? On stage, when it goes numb, I can't feel it anymore. Mary paused to the profundity. I wasn't getting it. I understand the definition of numb. My 3 a.m. frustration was beginning to show. First the moon disappears, and then my arm isn't there. She let go of her arm, stared down at her two regular hands. It's like I only have two arms, like I'm normal. She touched my head, like you, and touched my armless back with the arm grown from hers. What a treat, deprecatingly expressive. Being me was not so amazing at the moment. I did like her hand on my back, though. It felt nice. She removed it. Some serious irony. Again, Miri was waiting for a reply. So tired, I confessed. I don't even know what we're talking about right now. Becoming a very grouchy boy. Miri stated it plainly. The only time I get to feel like I don't have an extra arm growing out of my back is when I'm on stage pretending to be a three-armed goddess. Irony. Get it? Yes. Got it. I was not impressive at this hour. But what's your point? My empathy hadn't woken up yet. Can't I just talk about something? Just say what I'm thinking about? The room was getting louder. Aren't you the one who's always asking for that stuff? Asking me to talk about things? Isn't that you? I wanted to fight back, but she was right. Instead, thank you for sharing, but again, what's your point? Not much better. I can't do this anymore. I thought she meant me, us. I wanted to push her off the bed. Do what? Mary resumed, tracing the brace marks on her arm. I don't want it to be my life anymore, Remy. Or yours. This is where she was going. This was her point. I never wanted it. I understood. The purpose. Dressing up, you mean. Being R.A. I am not R.A. Her goddess arm moved behind her as she said this again resting on me. I know who you are, I assured her. Good, because I don't. I could sense something tensing inside her. I don't know who I am, Remy. I'm fucked up, and I don't want to do any of this anymore. She looked at me, turning all the way around and sitting with her legs on the bed. I sat up as well. How do we not do this anymore? I didn't have an answer. I don't know. We can't. I can't. Okay, I said, not sure what I meant by it. They haven't done anything about Sammy. Miri was making her case now.
he disappeared and they didn't say anything. He just wasn't there anymore and they haven't said a thing. She looked a concerning kind of encouraged by this. We could just go, just leave. Her face flickered a slanted intrepidation, a fledgling twinkle of the sort of mad bravery that crashes things into other things. Where to? How? I didn't share Mary's excitement. The forest, the mountains, all the way to the ocean. She was smiling at me now. Anywhere we want. Waiting for me to join her. We can't do that, Mary. How can't we? I could sense what this interaction was on its way to becoming, and I wanted none. It would be an L-column altercation all around. No victory in this topic. She wiped the smile off her face. How can't we? Stated so obvious, simple, like I was stupid for not realizing how easy. We just go. We just leave. A deep sigh. Total patronization. Maybe. Mary heard my answer for exactly what it was. A weak exit from a conversation I didn't desire to have. And I know better than you shushing. A dismissal. She pushed into me, aggressively herding me back to my half of the bed, then flopped down on her side, continuing to push me with her third arm, separating us farther. Head on her pillow, facing away from me, she lay there wide awake and silent. I did the same. The angry goddess beside me leaked disappointment my way like a heating pad, and our bed was uncomfortably warm. Sticky with my own shit-feeling sentiments, I watched our ceiling with a head full of trite pettiness. Little angers and justifications, lines I should have said, my brain like a pocket full of pennies and pen caps, useless. If only I had known what this night really was, or more, what no other night after this would ever be again, how very different I would have made it. I would have told Mary she was right. I would have asked her how quickly she could pack. How soon can you be ready to go? I would have watched the surprise on her face, the disbelief of seeing me turn into a whole other man right before her eyes, someone who could write new futures, who could change entire stories, someone who could save her. But I didn't know what this night was or the next, so I didn't do those things. I lay there, letting my thoughts ping zigzags between small, selfish, blank, and boring, weaving a gross and too comfy cat's cradle of a hammock beneath my pudgy mind, lazy and basking in its own banality. But somewhere in the middle, between the gaps of the pattern, my thoughts fell through, sinking down into a memory of something my dad once tried to tell me. Me and Sia, actually. It was before he died, when he was real sick and there wasn't much linearity left to his talking. The picture he painted began as a digression from him telling us about our mom, how we wished we could have known her, how lovely she was, the usual commentary. So I can only assume his metaphor was about her. Love is a world without a map. That's what he told us. Ever unexplored, 
ever unfolding. There's valleys, there's mountains, wind and rain. There's sunshine and storms and all other hallmark topographies and climates of a love world metaphor. Sia and I listened to our dad stumble his creativity across the land, attempting analogies of each. Poetically speaking, the effort was weak, and technically it didn't work. It was my father's creative faculties fallen far from their prime, and it wasn't easy to listen to. There were two things that stayed with me, though, and they were the parts that came back to me again as I lay beside Miri. In this unmapped journey through the world of what love is, he talked about the oceans, the stretches without newness, without novelty, that seem to go on and on forever. He said there's a beauty to the slowness, to the predictability, that it's only these places, upon the oceans, where you can see in every direction, where you can see where you've been and know where you're going. He said that the surface is deceptive, that beneath the stretches of placidity and sameness, there lay the greatest depths of our love. Tidal waves, whirlpools, underwater volcanoes. I decorated my dad's metaphor with fault lines because I didn't understand it. And the second thing, he said that love, this world without a map, if you continue on for long enough, it will always circle you back to the start land you once more at the same place you began. That again and again this world will spin itself anew beneath your feet. True love, he said, never, ever, ever ends. A jerry-rigged, poetic phrasing, conveniently connecting loose ends of a sloppy metaphor. Such was my critique. So young, so small and stupid, in bed beside my wife that night as she lay awake, Sad and disappointed in me, that's what I called my dad's words. My little thoughts moved like mindless minnows in a puddle. I knew nothing of oceans. I knew nothing of living all the way through a love, of doing it again and then again. I knew absolutely nothing of beginnings or endings. And as I went to sleep that night, I had no idea, none at all, that these things... These lessons, most difficult, were right there, waiting to teach themselves to me once I woke.